It is the end of the year, the end of our series on endings and new beginnings. And I've enjoyed the series. I've enjoyed uh, lear- learning about how that in the Bible, when something ends, something new starts as well. And I got to make a promise today, and I'm going to make it to a college student who called me out the other day, uh, Blake. I'm not going to say who it is, but he said this. He said, every time I get up to preach towards the end of the year, I do a New Year's resolution sermon. And so I'm not doing that today. But what I am going to do is I'm going to talk to you about this idea of newness at the end of something, something big in the Bible. The end is near. Maybe you've seen the posters or, or been in a movie and watched the guy holding the sign, the end is near, the end's at, ha- at hand. And in just about every apocalyptic movie, that guy's standing there with the sign. You've seen him. He's getting ready for the end. And, and, and I think to myself, I wonder what motivates that guy. What drives him to do that? Maybe it's bragging rights for him to be able to say, I told you so. I keep thinking to myself, doesn't he realize nobody's going to be there to see that? Ironically, I think it's kind of funny, in these movies, the guy holding the sign never makes it to the end of the movie. Have you all noticed this? He never makes it to the end of the movie. And And I wonder to myself, maybe that's because the people who do make it to the end of the movie are working on storing up food or buying gas masks or their crossbow skills. They're able to get to the end, but he's not. But this guy, this idea that the end is near, and it doesn't matter. You're always going to have these people holding these signs, people saying there's a warning coming, bad things are coming. Bad things are coming, plague, disease, disaster, nuclear war, or zombie apocalypse, or the rise of the robots, or the apes, or whatever it is, something is coming, and the end is at hand. You know, I think to myself, when people think about the Bible, I imagine most people in the world think that that Bible is just filled with those kind of messages. They, they probably imagine the Bible is just filled with this message that the end is near. And in some ways, they're not wrong. Because as we read through the prophets in the Old Testament, we see a lot of those kind of messages that the end is near. And one of those prophets that I think about is Jeremiah. And Jeremiah declaring, and we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah today, if you want to open your Old Testaments and find it. We're going to be in Jeremiah today, and and we want to hear the message of Jeremiah as he says, the end is near, but here's what I want you to know. It may not be exactly what we think it is. The way the prophet proclaims it may not be exactly what we think he will say. We're going to look in Jeremiah chapter 25 to begin here. And Jeremiah is kind of building his case as to what's been happening. And here's what he says. For 23 years, this is Jeremiah 25, verse 3, for 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, to this day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened. 
You've neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent you to all of his servants, the prophets, saying, Turn now every one of you from his evil way and evil deeds and dwell in the land that the Lord has given you and your forefathers from of old and forever. Don't go after the other gods and serve or worship them or provoke me to anger with your work of your hands. Then I will do you no harm, yet you have not listened to me. And so Jeremiah is kind of putting out here the, the, what's taking place, and he says, I have been out here proclaiming the message of God, turn to the Lord, turn to the Lord, and people have not listened. And he kind of summarizes it in chapter 4, verse 22, when he says it this way, for my people are foolish and they don't know me. I keep trying to talk to my people and tell them that bad things are coming. If you don't turn to God, bad things are coming. And here's God's response. My people do not know me. They're not listening to me. They're, they don't know me. And as a result of that, Jeremiah will make his strong case throughout the book. The end is near. The end is near. Now, in the book of Jeremiah, there are two endings that he's referring to. And I think it's really important that we lay these out. The two endings that Jeremiah is talking about is, number one, being enslaved by the, by the Babylonians. The invasion of the Babylonians is going to bring them into captivity. And they're going to spend 70 years in captivity. This is where we have the stories of Daniel and you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These stories where the Israelites are in captivity by the Babylonians. And so he's saying, look, an end is coming the system of life that you have is going to come to a close. But he's also referring to even a few hundred years after that when there's going to be a destruction, which we call the, the, the end of the Jewish sacrificial systems and eventually the end of, of Israel as they knew it. And this is going to take place like 600 years later with ultimately the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans. And there's going to be many prophets in the, in the Old Testament talk about this. In fact, even Jesus will talk about this, con, this idea that, that Rome's coming and he's going to destroy the world that you knew. Now, as we look at the text, it doesn't matter if we focus on the coming of the Babylonians or the coming of the Romans. Either way, the message is clear the system and society that you live in, that you love, that you find hope in, and assurance in, and peace in, it's coming to a close. The end is near. And as Jesus will point out, the stones that you see standing here, you're not going to see standing here in the future. The end is near. The temple system that you love the system that you love, the things that you think will be here forever won't be here forever. And it's interesting because you can go over to the Holy Lands today. There's a, there's a museum called the Israel Museum, and you can actually see a little, a little model of their world, a world that's not there anymore because Jeremiah was right and because Jesus was right. And Joel was right, and the prophets were right. The end of their world was coming. Now, I got to tell you, I have struggled throughout my life with 
biblical end-of-time prophecies. They've been something of a, of a mystery to me. I have read passages of Scripture about, you know, darkness coming or the moon being turned to blood, and, and it's always been frightening to me as a kid. And then as I got into Bible school and started learning at Sunset and other places, I began to realize that a lot of these passages are referring to the past, our past, their future, but our past. These aren't really end-of-the-world messages, but they're actually messages about things that were going to happen in their world, like Rome rising up or the, 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 the rising up of Greece or the occupation or, or you know, the, the attack of the Babylonians. And, and, and so when we read through these passages of Scripture, it's always been odd to me that it what sounded like the end of the world in the, in the Bible was really just the end of their world. And I think that's right. Because now as I'm older, I begin to look and I think, you know, as you're reading these passages of Scripture, if you were reading these passages of Scripture and you were learning that the temple system was going to fall apart, it would be like the end of the world. It would be like the, the, the moon turning to blood or the sky turning black. If you were to be there in that moment where all the things that you valued started crumbling before you, it would be the end of your world. And it was the end of their world. And I think about it, what the end of our world might look like. I mean, you think about it, what if we lost the internet? For some people, it would be the end of the world, right? And, and I know that brings... That brings a chuckle to, to our minds. It brings a laugh to my mind because when I think of that, the end of the internet would be the end of our world. I think about social media, right? And social media being God would be the end of my world and how silly is that? But for just a moment, stop with me and think, isn't it true that if we lost the internet right now forever, it would be the end of the world? I mean, it would change the way we work. A lot of people would lose their jobs, wouldn't they? How many people here would lose their job if we lost the internet today, or, or we lost the ability to go on the internet and connect to family members, or communicate. I mean, is there anything in this world right now that we do that doesn't involve the internet? And perhaps somebody from the 1980s would look at us now and think, how, how shallow are they? They're a bunch of snowflakes, which they wouldn't use that word because they wouldn't have the internet. But they would think that. How shallow are they? Because their whole world falls apart with the internet. But guys, I'm telling you, if the internet were to fall apart, it would feel like the end of our world. I know this to be true because I see it in the world. When hurricanes hit cities and devastate people, even though to me it doesn't seem like it's the end of the world because I live in West Texas, to some people, it is the end of their world. And we hear them say that when they say, you know, this has taught me what really matters most in life. And maybe to me, COVID-19 is not the end of my world, but for some people, it is the end of their world because they lost a lot. And it may me you know, kind of inside, maybe I want to laugh because I hear COVID-19 is the end of the world, but some people lost their lives from COVID-19. And some people have lost their jobs from COVID-19. And they've lost their freedoms from COVID-19 or their sense of security. They've lost, some people lost their Christmas holiday this year from COVID-19. 
And so to say, you know, that's not that big of a deal to me, for some people it is the end of their world. And I think that's what Jeremiah is getting at and the prophets are getting at here in these passages. When they say it's the end of the world, they're not talking about the end of all life on earth, but the end of their world. And their world mattered to them. And our world matters to us. And if I don't think so, then I could just imagine in a few hundred years if people were at a museum looking at my world. Could you just imagine if they were discussing what we valued and cared about and loved as if it were a thing of the past? And I just want you to know, guys, at some point that will happen Because the things that we love and valued aren't going to be here forever. Just like the model we see in Jerusalem. At some point, the things that we hold dear and value may be gone too. Well, they will be gone too. Because things don't last forever. And for that reason, Jeremiah proclaimed his message. The end of everything you trust in is near. God is taking it all away. And that was Jeremiah's message. The end of everything you trust in is near. God is taking it all away. It's the end of your land and the end of the feast and the end of peace. The end of sacrifices and the end of priests. Your world is falling apart. The end is near. Now, i got to tell you, I told my son I was preaching on this sermon, and he said, Dad, not at Christmas time. I'm going to have to turn this thing around really quick, right? I mean, we need to walk out of here with some good news. Remember, the point of our series is that endings bring new beginnings. And as Jeremiah proclaimed this message, the end of everything you hold to is coming to, or everything you love is coming to a close, the end is near. He also brings a message of new beginning. You see, the end of our world is near, but something will replace it. Something will replace it. If you'll turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31, here's what the passage says. Behold, the days are coming. This is verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenants that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them to the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel in those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I'll be their God, and they will be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Here Jeremiah is some 600 years before Jesus and he's proclaiming a message and he says, look, the end of your world is coming, but there's good news too. And that's this, God's got a plan. 
God's got a plan. And here's how it starts. Number one, there's going to be a new covenant. There will be a new covenant. Now, as a New Testament Christian, this should bring to mind the Lord's Supper. Here Jesus is, and he's with the apostles in Luke, and it says, he, he speaks these words, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you a remembrance of me. As you hear those words, I want, to, I want to summarize this very simply. Jeremiah is predicting Jesus. And he's saying Jesus is going to draw us back to God. When the world feels like it's falling apart, Jesus is going to be there. He's going to draw us back and he's going to have a covenant with us. A covenant of his blood, a covenant for our forgiveness. You know, at this time in history, they had trusted in the Old Testament system with the old answers, and those things were not getting it done. They trusted in the law. They trusted in the temple. They trusted in themselves, and God's response is, I have something better for you. Jesus is so much better than what you currently have. Can I tell you something? When we trust in ourselves and we trust in things and we trust in this world, here's the truth. Jesus is so much better than what we currently have. But the passage goes on. He says, not only am I making a new covenant with you through the blood of Jesus, but I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. The second thing he says is, I'm going to write my law on their hearts. Now, this is going right back to Jeremiah's prophecy that we read earlier in chapter 25, verse 3, when he said, I have proclaimed to my people, and guess what? They have not listened. When my word is going out, they don't even take it in. But Jesus came, and he found those who were seeking him. And he said to, him, to those, love the Lord your God with all your heart. As I'm talking to you, take my word and put it inside of you, Jesus says. So Jeremiah says, even though the world is falling apart, your world is falling apart. God's going to come. He's going to make a new covenant. He's going to put his law within us. And then he says this, they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. This is a beautiful picture. A beautiful picture of how in this new world because of Jesus, we're all going to connect to God on a very intimate level. It reminds us of Moses. Remember Moses with the burning bush? Moses who wanted to know his God, wanted to know his God's name, wanted to know his God's face, and a God who responded and said, you can't know me the way you want to or you'll die. But then in John chapter 1, we meet Jesus. And it says in him, we see the glory of God. Glory of the only, glory of the only God. We get to know God in a way that they never knew God. And Moses brought the, the law up and he brought those 
the Ten Commandments chiseled out of rock, and the people stood from a distance, and he told them, Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And they didn't really know their God the way we do, because any one of us can just pick up his word and know him. Isn't that good news? And the Israelites, when they were born, they were born as Israelites. I mean, on the eighth day, baby boys were taken and were circumcised. And they became Israelites far before they ever knew their God. They had to be taught about their God later on in life. But for the New Testament believer, we learn about Jesus. And then we enter covenant. As we're baptized into his name, we have something that Moses and David and the prophets could never have had because we know our God on day one better than they knew him at the end of their lives. Jeremiah says, I will make a new covenant. I'll put my law within them, within them, within their hearts. They'll all know me from the least to the greatest. And here's the final result. As a result of all that, I will remember their sins no more. We will be set free from our sins all because of Jesus Christ. You can see what God is saying through Jeremiah. Because of Jesus, we have all these things and you don't have to trust in the things of the world. You can trust in him. Isn't it good that we, we can rely on him instead of trusting in this world? Well, I want you to know the new is here through Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this sign that people hold up. The sign that's held up that says, the end is here. I want to put up a new sign for us. A new sign that says, the new is here. The new is here. The new what? The new system of trusting in Jesus. We don't have to rely on this world's systems anymore. We can now trust in Jesus. Isn't that good news? When you start to see the world around you crumble, and it will, you don't have to turn to the world's answers for solutions. You can trust in Jesus. The new is here regarding trusting in things. I don't have to trust in the things that won't last because the new is here. I can have confidence in him. The new is here regarding knowing God. God has called me to know him and to lean on him in a way that the apostles couldn't have possibly understood until after Jesus left. In a way that the prophets never understood. I can know my God. The new is here in feeling alone. I don't have to be alone anymore. Even though the apocalypse comes upon us, even though the world crashes down, God is with us. And the new is here regarding life and direction. I don't have to live a life without direction. I can live with hope and with purpose and with peace. 
I guess here's what I'm trying to say to you guys as Christians. Did you know we can put down the signs? As Christians, because of Jesus, I can put down the signs of the end times and pick up a message of hope. Isn't that good news? I can put down the sign that says the end is near and pick up a message of hope. Hey, when it comes to the government, I don't have to hold the sign the end is near. I can pick up a message of, go, of hope. When it comes to laws, I don't, have to put, I don't have to hold the sign that says the end is near. I can pick up a message of hope. When it comes to the church, I don't have to hold up a sign that says the end is near. I can pick up a message of hope. See, God is telling me through Jeremiah, although the end of one thing may come, it brings a new beginning. I'm here to tell you that the end of the things that we love bring new beginnings of relationship with God and trusting in God and relying on God. And that's good news. This is a hard one for me. I have been preaching to myself for a week. It started off in the preaching team and I came in and Boy, those guys gave me a hard time this week, and they helped me figure this one out. This is a good one, and what it says is this, I can trust God through anything. If you need that message in your life, this is your time to either come forward as we stand and sing or just turn to Him. Why don't you come now as we stand and as we sing together?